Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I'm Steve Schwetz, welcoming you to another great study in God's Word. Now, in a minute, Dr. McGee is going to be mentioning his notes and outlines for our study of Proverbs. So if you haven't yet already gotten them, now would be a good time to get them for Proverbs and for our study upcoming on Philippians that begins next week. You can download your free copy at ttb.org or call 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help you find them. Now, while you're there at ttb.org, you'll want to grab another great resource for this study. It's our Bible companion for Proverbs, and it's free, too. I love to use these Bible companions for my small group studies. It's really a wonderful resource. Now, here's a special introduction by Dr. McGee that sets today's study in context. We'll listen together and then come back to pray. Our study today brings us to Proverbs, the 26th chapter, the 23rd verse. Now, we have stopped the bus to let you get aboard, and be sure and bring your Bible, and also bring along our notes and outlines. Do not have a set of outlines. We have one for you, and we'd like you to have it. You'll have to ask for it. It won't cost you anything, but it puts you on our mailing list, and you'll receive notes and outlines every time they're issued. After that, till you go the entire five-year program. We trust, however, during that time, you'll be writing to us, because you see, this happens to be a two-way freeway. We come down on one side by radio to you. Now, you are to come back to us on the other side of the freeway by letter, and we trust that you will have one for us. Now, we are coming today, if you've looked it over, to one of the richest sections, again, of Proverbs that are actually so meaningful. They get right down to where we live and move and have our being. And they deal with that which isn't dealt with much today. You see that most Bible teaching today that I hear is very light stuff. It merely touches the top things. It deals with that which is sweet. And we are constantly talking about love today. And if you've noticed, you don't hear too much about love in the book of Proverbs. You hear a great deal about the wicked. You hear a great deal about the scorner and the sluggard and the one that is righteous. You hear about him. And actually, the purpose of the Lord Jesus was really not to make us happy. It was to make us holy. And until we stand in that righteousness of Christ, why we just do not comprehend what real happiness, real joy is, and real love until we learn to appropriate that. This is very important to see, by the way. And Proverbs are for all ages, and I mean not only ages of an individual, but the ages of which we live. They were given at the time of the law, and they were to be lived in the strength of the law. But for you and me today, we are given the Holy Spirit. Every believer is given the Holy Spirit, and to be filled with the Spirit will enable him to fulfill all of this. And if we are to be filled with the Spirit, we must walk in the Spirit. And that's a great learning process. And this has a great deal to do with it. I thought it might be well to open today with some Proverbs that are not in the book of Proverbs, but they are rather good, by the way. Here's one. 
a wife laughs at her husband's jokes, not because they are clever, but because she is. And then George Washington gave a very good proverb that this country's forgotten, and it's this. It's impossible to govern the world without the Bible. We're trying today to govern the world without the Bible. England did pretty well with the Bible. Actually, Germany did for a while until they repudiated it. And England did until they turned their back on it. And we're turning our back on it today. And we'll soon find out we're not fit to govern the world. What a picture that we have here, by the way. Again, Dr. McGee's notes and outlines are ready for download at ttb.org. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for this opportunity to study your word together. Would you open our eyes to understand your ways and then give us the faith and courage to obey you? We ask this confidently because of your great love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get rolling through Proverbs 26 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, last time, as usual, we did not quite finish the 26th chapter. Let me finish it, and we'll move into the 27th, and then we are going to move right along as we conclude this book. I don't think we'll have over three more studies in this book of Proverbs. Now, we saw here, and I'm picking up at verse 23 of Proverbs 26, burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips, and layeth up deceit with him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart, whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein. He that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. This is probably one of the longest sections and the strongest sections against hypocrisy. And it means hypocrisy among God's people. And there are those that make a profession of faith. After all, the hypocrite in the church and the hypocrite among God's people should not disturb those inside or those outside for the very fact that they do not counterfeit $1 bills. They do counterfeit $20. They only counterfeit that which is valuable. And no one, as I know, is making counterfeit pennies. The thing is that these things are to be noted, recognized, and then the warning is given here. It's against those that are two-faced. Those that will come to you, say one thing to your face, they say something to your back. They flatter you, and yet in their hearts they hate you. It was Tacitus who made the statement, it is common for man to hate those whom they have injured. And when you find out that someone has injured you, you can be sure of one thing, it's because he hates you. That hatred is in the heart. You have that example of flattery in the Bible in Haman. You remember how he flattered, and yet this man plotted to destroy an entire people and even 
that would encompass and take in the queen upon the throne. Evil man, a man that flattered the king, and yet it was obvious that he was planning to overthrow the king. This is something that you find in Christian circles, and we need to recognize it. There's no use covering over. There's probably no place in the world where there's all of this cover-up as there is in the church. We try to act like it's not there, that somehow or another, if we ignore it, it'll go away. We feel like our church is defeated if anybody mentions the fact there's a hypocrite around. We feel like we and ourselves are defeated if we acknowledge that even in our own hearts there's this root of bitterness sometimes. So that I think Christians need to face up. And these Proverbs are very good at making us face up. Now when we come to this 27th chapter, we come to a chapter that we've labeled in our notes, a chapter which the subject is friendship. And you'll note that as we go through here. We begin with, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And this is something that is so familiar to us, but a great many people feel like, well, I'll wait till tomorrow to do it. It's what we call here near the border of Mexico, mañana, mañana, tomorrow. It is so easy to say that. And there is a Spanish proverb that goes like this, the road of by and by leads to the house of never. Manana means never. And we have one that puts it very bluntly, the way to hell is paved with good intentions. And the English have one that goes, procrastination is the thief of time. And they would do it like that. But the Word of God puts it like this today. If you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And the Scripture says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. And the tendency of man is to want to wait, you know. I'll do it tomorrow. I should do this tomorrow. And you remember when Paul talked to Festus? Paul was a prisoner, and yet he talked to Festus the ruler, the governor, about his soul's salvation. And he says, well, I'll hear you at a more convenient season. Well, as far as the Word of God is concerned, that never did come. You remember Pharaoh kept saying, I'll let the children of Israel go tomorrow, not today. Well, it cost him his oldest son. And therefore, Today is always the day of salvation. It's not something for you to wait for at all. Now, will you notice verse 2? Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger, not thine own lips. Let another praise you. Goliath is a good example of that. Walked up in front of Israel every day, flexed his muscles, told how great he was and what a bunch of cowards the Israel was. But he found out that didn't quite work. And then verse 3, A stone is heavy and the sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. If a fool's angry with you, you're in trouble. They'll say and do anything. Now, verse 4, Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before jealousy? And you'll recall the Scripture says jealousy is as 
cruel as hell itself. And you remember what it did to Joseph. His brothers, because they were jealous, sold him into slavery. Now, verse 5, open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, I know that you have an example of that. That was the kiss of Judas. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And then you remember that Paul rebuked Simon Peter. and He said he needed it. And Peter never fell out with him over that. They were in entire agreement. And so it's wonderful to have a friend that'll call attention to your faults and that sort of thing. And that's the reason a preacher needs a good wife that can keep him humble and tell him what's wrong with him. You know, sometimes I come from a service, I'm puffed up like a balloon. And then we get in the car and my wife pushes a pin in the balloon. And I recognize that she's the one right, not the one that was flattering me at all. Well, it goes like that, does it not? Now, verse 7, the full soul tramples on a honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. And that's the reason that we have gourmet eating today is to pamper many folk that have so much to eat that they have to have it fixed unusually nice and unusual things. They have to have hummingbirds' wings, you know, that will be served to them before they can really eat. That's the reason I think that cooking in European countries, England, France, Italy, and Spain, reach such a high degree of perfection because of the fact that the ruling class had plenty. And they got tired of just having tenderloin steaks, filet mignons, every day, and ice cream with strawberries on them. And so they had to concoct the chefs in that day some very unusual and very tasty food. When you go to Europe, you can always keep that in mind. That's where it originated, but the hungry man. And that applies to the Word of God, this idea of eating and chewing and masticating the Word of God. Oh, may God give us an appetite for it, you see. Now, verse 8, so a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. That is, there's so many folk in churches and in Christian work, they're like a round peg in a square hole or a square peg in a round hole. They just don't fit. And the reason is that God has given to every believer a gift. We've seen that when we were back in 1 Corinthians. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And God has given to everyone a gift, and we should get in that place and exercise that gift. We have examples of that in the New Testament, of those that apparently didn't exercise gift. Paul spoke of a man by the name of Demas. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He went back into the world. Apparently never did fit in, you see. Now, verse 9, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not, and go not into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity. For better is a friend that's near than a brother far off. I've always felt that this is a California proverb. When I first came to California, 
The thing that shocked me were the few people that were at funerals. Because I'd come from Texas, when they have a funeral down there, they come from far and near. The largest crowds I ever had in Texas were at funerals. And I come to California, and I never shall forget, a dear saint of God died. She'd lived alone, but she was a wonderful person. Well, I thought the place would be crowded. I think there were 15 people there. It's better to have a friend near than a brother far off. You see, she'd come from back east. She'd brought her husband out here in early days because he was sick, and the doctor told him to take him west. And she'd come out here, and she'd had to spend time taking care of him, and then he died, and then she was left alone. She never went back. She was active in the church to a certain extent, but, you know, she just never did have too many friends. But it's better to have a friend that's near than a brother way back east, you see, and that's where her friends were. Now, verse 12, "...a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple passed on and are punished." Now, this is one that we've had before. And I'd like to add to it that I think one of the great benefits of the study of prophecy is that we know what's coming. Very frankly, if I had to look to man to solve the problems of this world, I'd be very discouraged. I'd be a real pessimist. I don't think man has a solution. I think that we're moving to a crisis and a catastrophe. I don't think there's any question about that. And it's foolish for any man to think that he can solve the problems of the world, but the Word of God makes it clear that this is the thing that was to come to pass. So we need to recognize that. Then there is another thought in connection with this that's very important. And I put it in my notes in a very brief way, very terse language, two words, by insurance. The Lord intends for you to make plans for the future. A prudent man, he foreseeth the evil, he hideth himself. He prepares for the day that is coming. This idea that a man ought not to prepare for retirement, ought not to have insurance and that type of thing. And the foolish answer given is, well, you ought to trust the Lord. Well, the Lord's provided these things for us, friends, and we should avail ourselves of them. Now, verse 14, "...he that blesseth his friend with a loud voice..." rising early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. You know that there's a great deal of irony in this statement here. There are those that make such loud protestations of love and affection. And you always know that there's a motive back of it. He that's praising you more than you ought to be praised, you watch out for him. You remember Absalom listened to the men of Israel that group of the young jet set that praised him, told him he ought to be king instead of his father. He shouldn't have listened to all of that praise. And the unfortunate thing, I always say this to young preachers when I'm speaking in seminaries. You know, I say, young man, it doesn't make any difference what church you go to. There'll always be a dear little saint in that church, generally a dear little lady, sometimes it's a man, that's going to tell you what a wonderful preacher you are. And the Lord puts them there to encourage a young preacher. And I said, why, that dear person's going to tell you that you're the greatest 
preacher that they've ever heard. They're going to tell you that you're another Paul the Apostle, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Billy Sunday, and Billy Graham all wrapped into one individual, and that you are it. Now, I said, it's wonderful that they are there. It's wonderful that you're going to hear it. But I said, don't believe it. It's not true. This business of flattering, <laughs> you need to be careful of it. Now, verse 15 and 16, a continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whosoever hideth her hideth the wind and the ointment of his right hand which betrayeth itself. Here we are back again to this. This is the third time. And the continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. I won't make any more comments today. Verse 17, As iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. It's wonderful to have a friend that you can sit down with and sharpen your mind with him. That is, you can discuss certain things. I used to have a very wonderful friend that I'd go to him and we'd sit down and talk about spiritual matters. And I always came away refreshed and strengthened, and I'd always learn something also. Wonderful to have a friend like that. Now, there's so many other wonderful proverbs here that we'd like to dwell with, but I'm going to move down now and hit some high points. I'm dropping down to verse 19. As in water, face answereth to faith, so the heart of man to man. Wonderful to have a friend that you can just open your heart to him. And you know he'll not betray you at all. This is a great chapter on friendship, you see. Wonderful to have a friend like that. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. That's verse 20. You never see enough, do you? <laughs> you just want to keep seeing. That's the reason some of us love to travel around the world. We want to see. The eyes of man are never satisfied. Verse 21, as the fining pot for silver and the furnace for gold, so is a man to his praise. And you better be careful of it and make sure that it has the right effect upon you. Then verse 24, for riches are not forever. And that is something that in this materialistic age we need to recognize. For riches are not forever. You don't take them with you. The old bromide, there's not a pocket in the shroud. You can't take it with you. When the original Vanderbilt was dying, all the relatives were waiting outside. And the thing they were interested in when he did die, the lawyer came out. They said, how much did he leave? And the lawyer said he left every bit of it. He didn't take anything with him. For riches are not forever, and doth the crown endure to every generation. And don't depend on man, because man will fail you. Only God's the one we can depend upon. He is the only one. This has been a great chapter on friendship, you see. That's been the emphasis here. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. What a great reminder of how brief and precious our lives are. You know, it makes me think of the old song, Only one life, so soon it is past, only what's done for Christ will last. The song also comes to mind when I read the letters that we receive it through the Bible, especially when they come from someone who's trying to walk with God, just like you and me, 
though they live in some spiritually isolated part of the world. Like this pastor in Assam, India, where less than 3% of the population know Jesus as their Savior, he writes, I've been a pastor for nine years. I also work as a farmer so that my wife and I can feed our three children. Your studies in the Gospel of John have been such a help to me. I preached on John many times, but now I finally feel I understand it. I also love sharing with my congregation the background of each book you have given. It's a joy to grow in our knowledge of the Bible together. Well, I hope you understand that this is the gift that you give, those of you that are listening, when you pray and financially support through the Bible. So thank you for your partnership and ministry by God's grace. And with your help, this church in India and so many others will hear his word often for the first time. You know, I can't think of a better way to use our one life but to give it to Christ for a lasting eternal impact. Find out how you can partner with us by providing a tank of gas or a new set of tires to keep the Bible bus going out in more than 250 languages worldwide. You can go to ttb.org or call 1-800-65-BIBLE. Again, that's ttb.org or 1-800-65-BIBLE. Well, our five-year journey through the entire Word of God continues next time. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll meet you here then. Go with God now in the strength of His Spirit and the power of His Word. grateful for the faithful and generous support of Through the Bible's partners, whom God uses to take the whole word to the whole world.